Welcome back to the Heat Factory. I'm Rob Stevens, and I'm here today with three amazing Pokemon players. We have Owen Rob, my co-host, and we have Jesse Parker here. Hello. As well as John Mustovi. Yo. We got some topics. We're going to be talking about the card game coming back in real life. But we're going to start with a new segment called Weird Pokemon TCG News. And, fellas, I have two headlines of Weird Pokemon TCG News to talk about, digest for a couple minutes, just to figure out what was going on. Hit me. The first one, this is a headline. Prosecutor's Dublin man used COVID loan on $57,000 of a Pokemon card. Wait, he took a loan and bought a Pokemon card? Yeah, not just any loan. He took a loan of $85,000 in COVID relief funds, allegedly, to save jobs. He has 10 employees who allegedly make $235,000 together, their revenue. He used 57 of the 85 he took from the COVID relief fund to buy a Pokemon card instead. The article, unfortunately, and my research has not revealed what that Pokemon card is. That's insane. <laughs> That's, that sounds a little bit irresponsible. Yeah, I think a little bit irresponsible is, is kind of underestimating it. I don't even know what card would be worth that much. I mean, I don't, I'm very much in the competitive side of things on like the collecting side of things. So like, I don't even know like what you would buy for that. John, you're on the collecting side of things. Could you burn through $57,000 uh, on a Pokemon card pretty fast if you wanted to? If you wanted to, I mean, the, the issue you would probably run into is availability of said card, right? If you think about you know, a first edition PSA 10, Lugia or Typhlosion number 17. Which serious collector is going to be willing to part with a card of that quality and of that significance? You know, $57,000 is a lot of money, but those cards are so rare. You know, if you think about that T17 PSA 10, there's like 10 or 15 of those in the world, and you're the owner of that, letting that go for $57,000. I don't know, man. Guess it depends on how bad you need the money. I that's imagine true. that's something that's like true. you would fly and pick up in person. Oh yeah, it's got to be right. You have yeah, to. Yeah. You can't risk putting that in the mail. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Unless you took out a major insurance on it. Nah, plain white envelope, no. <laughs> yeah. Let's <laughs> save a little bit of money. You know, I feel bad for this dude's employees who he just ran his restaurant to the ground because of this. I'm sure, or or whatever they say. It doesn't say. Yeah, what, I think people have sort of thought that he's a restaurant owner. I don't know if that's there's proof of that. This dude's name, by the way, is Vanath Udomsin. And Vanath, if you're our listener, please contact me. Let's do an interview immediately. <laughs> he's accused of wire fraud, and he is facing a pretty hefty penalty. Anybody want to guess how long he might be going to prison? I don't know, like five, five, eight, five, ten years. Yeah, it's twenty know. years, up to twenty years. Oh, okay. Twenty years, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in fines in the Fed pen, not state, not local, not the county jail. Yeah, in the federal pen. Uh, I hope he can turn that fifty-seven thousand dollars back around for two hundred fifty, though. So he can. No, he's going to use it. He's going to use the rest of the money for beans and meat in the uh, in the commissary. <laughs> Schlop. <laughs> so our second headline. It's coming from North Carolina. This is admittedly. It's a couple months old headline, March 2021. On Slow County headline, a Pokemon card theft ring in North Carolina has been broken up. Deputies in Onslaught County said they have charged Stephen Rochelle Jr. and Amanda Morgan with felony larceny from a merchant, product code fraud, and felony conspiracy. They say that in the Walmart outside of Richland's offers, officials said the suspects would do a bait and switch. What they would do is they would take the barcodes off of cheaper product and put them onto the higher priced product in order to get 
better Pokemon product from Walmart. That's messed oh. up, bro. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I've Freaking seen these messed people. Up, dude. Wait, how are they even finding Pokemon products? I can't even find any. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Well, I reckon they would like bring those UPC labels from home, right? You know, they probably just buy like a booster pack off the internet. They get it shipped to their house. They cut it out. They do a little arts and crafts. They go to Walmart. They're there at like six o'clock in the morning waiting for poor Fabio to come out and open the doors for them. They go in there, the little sticky, little adhesive on the back of that UPC label, slap that bad boy on a celebration ZTB. And ringing themselves out like it's no big deal. You're saying put it on a booster pack. Dude, I'm like putting, I'm just buying like a, a dollar bag of Lay's or something like that. And then just be like, oh, these are all Lay's potato chips. <laughs> cost me a dollar. I mean, you, you can go pretty low. You don't have to do like $4 booster packs. You could go through the self-checkout and. That's what they yeah. probably did. Oh, yeah. At Walmart, they at least have usually often like someone checking your receipt. I feel like it. I guess they were at Walmart, but I don't know. They that never, never happens to me. That's never happened to me. At Sam's Club, sure. Costco, sure. Not at Walmart. Yeah, yeah. I always think about how easy it would be to like steal stuff from Walmart because I feel like I never get, I never have anybody paying attention to me, and I don't have anybody ever check my receipt. So, like, I I can imagine how easy it probably is for these people to get away with it. But obviously, is it worth the risk of getting caught and going going to jail? No. I mean, they're facing felony larceny, and they're calling it. My favorite part about this is they're calling it. Even though it's just two people, they're calling a Pokemon card theft ring in North Carolina has been broken up. When I think <laughs> of a theft ring, that sounds like they've got like a really organized system with like yeah. five people. Yeah, I think it's not a couple. Right. Two, it's not like boyfriend and girlfriend steal from multiple Walmarts. I guess I guess the qualifying factor is that you steal from different locations, and that, I guess that would be considered. And then it, at least more than one person, I guess that would be the legal classification for a ring. I guess it's also strange they haven't sort of reported whether they were just doing this from this one Walmart or if this is something they did multiple times. It probably or... have to be multiple Walmarts because yeah, it wouldn't be considered a ring if it wasn't from if it was from one Walmart. I don't think it would be considered a theft ring. I think a theft ring requires mul- hitting multiple joints with multiple people. All I know is that when I was living in Ohio, an acquaintance of mine showed up with some Pokemon product and was like, I just got this super cheap. It was like an ETB and he had bought it for like 10 bucks. And he said he bought it outside of a Walmart and he did everything but admitted that he, the dude he bought it from, he was almost sure they had just stolen it, taken it out of Walmart and had the gall to sell it in the very parking lot that they had just stolen it from. Ohio's messed up, bro. Walmart is watching you, by the way. It's not as easy as as it seems, but like... I have a friend, personal friend, that used to be in loss prevention, and he, he, he would see stuff, eyes in the sky, and he'd put you in Walmart jail if you walked out, out outside the store. And he told me some yeah. horrifying stories of, I guess, catching criminals and where they place the products. I don't think anything more needs to be said about that, but yeah, yeah, they are watching you. It's not, not super easy, and you keep doing it, the odds of you getting caught just go up. So, Yeah, they probably did it several times, had several videos, and that's where we are. So let's get to our main story tonight, which is that Pokemon in real life tournaments, sanctioned Pokemon tournaments, are coming back in 2022. Yeah. And Pokemon is doing this almost as though they're just forgetting that two years have happened since the last season. Or has it been two years? Uh, yes. yes. It has been almost exactly two years as of March of next year. Just repicking up the same sort of tournament, repicking up everybody where they had their points. London is where Worlds is reportedly going to be. And I think everybody's pretty excited about 
IRL tournaments coming up. Are you guys about to start the grind back up? John, I know that you were kind of hesitant to play online. Are we going to start seeing some John Mostovi decks at some IRL tournaments here? Yeah, I mean, hesitant isn't now. I'll just kind of gently correct you. I just didn't really care for online events. When it comes to trading card games, you know, the, the, the fun and the appeal is having interactions with people, you know, getting to sit down and talk with them before the game, you know, laugh about a blunder in the middle of the game, you know, shake their hand after the game and smile and go on your merry way. With PTCGO tournaments, I just, that component was completely removed. So aside from a couple players cup uh, runs, yeah, but for sure, you know, IRL events coming back. I'd love to pick right, uh, pick up where I left off. Having a, I had a pretty solid season coming into what was supposed to be Worlds 2021, but uh, eh, Worlds 2020 rather. So yeah, yeah. Here we are. Here we are. I definitely played a lot online. I would say right at the start of when the events shut down, like in around March or, or April of 2020. I was really into it. I think playing online, it scratches that itch, you know, of playing cards. You know, it, it works the way it's supposed to. You know, PTCGO is not the best client in the world. Thankfully, we're getting a new one pretty soon. New client, PTCG Live. But, uh, you know, PCGO, it scratched that itch. You know, the, the tournaments are run really well. I think the best thing about it is the Limitless website yeah. is, like, really well made. It makes playing your rounds really easy. It's honestly one of, if not, like, the best, like, tournament, like, uh, online pairing like websites like I've ever used like it's super nice and and it made for the tournaments a lot of the, the early tournaments didn't run r- super smooth just because of the sheer number of participants like I think one of the tournaments had like over a thousand people in it but um the the two to three hundred player events were always like run really well and like uh, and it was fun for a while, but like the difference between online, there's definitely a huge difference. It doesn't compare. Playing in real life is so much more fun for me personally. Um, although it is nice playing from the comfort of your own home, there's benefits to that. But yeah, it definitely doesn't compare for me. And I did get burned out pretty quick from the online events. Um, and I kind of like, I would play one here and there, but I didn't really play a lot very consistently. So I'm definitely really psyched for in real life events to come back. I should say also, that um as john was saying his how his season went before uh my season went extraordinarily well before they cut off events in march i had earned my invite actually back in 2019 so technically i don't need to play any more events up until until worlds 2022 because i already have my invite so i'm I'm pretty happy with where i am right now so i'm going to be trying to go for that tier two threshold apparently they're supposed to be there's supposed to be another threshold. I know, is it 500, the points for an invite, or is it 550? Yeah, I think it's 500. It was 500 originally, but I think they were trying to rejuggle the points when the shutdown happened. Because they were originally, right. I think they were going to start it back up at the normal start season for 2021, and then they just tacked on Thursday. So now Thursday is day one of Yeah, playing. so... Uh, they're gonna they're gonna add another threshold for points whether like for example i I think they might make it like who knows like seven or eight hundred where you can skip thursday's play and go to friday so that's what i'm going to be shooting for it's also going to be a four-day worlds right like yeah right right yeah friday saturday and then sunday would be all all the finals so yeah that's that's what i'm going to be shooting for i'm just at least skipping the first day of play just getting going to friday so 
that's what I'm going to be trying to do. I'm going to go to as many regionals and events as I can, just because I enjoy playing. You know, got got to go to that first regional back. Jesse, to be honest, I think you're all locked up for skipping Thursday with 500 points. Uh, I think there's like a zero percent chance you'll have to ever play Thursday. You know, assuming I don't crap the bed at at all the. I think Thursday is really <laughs> reserved for people that weren't playing in the 2019 season, and there are definitely are some newcomers yeah, coming right, into TCG. Right. So Thursday is going to be kind of reserved for those who are going to get ready to start fresh with zero points in the new they gotta still get 500 points though to make thursday they they gotta still get to no i I don't think that's i don't think that's true because then i just can't foresee a new player getting 500 points in half a year and making 500 the limit for thursday i think thursday is going to be a much much lower limit so you think they're going to make because they only uh, have a a threshold i think the minimum is going to probably be my i'm just going to guess i'm going to throw out a ballpark i think it's going to be like 300 yeah, I, I can see that. You only have half a season worth of regionals, and I'm sure cup availability is pretty limited, and league challenges are probably going to be limited as well. And you don't have... I don't know what the what the status on ICs are, like the internationals. Um, that also brings in some like huge points. I thought they they announced that there's going to be one in Columbus. Yeah, that's one. There's well, we always four. other ones. EUIC is happening, and so is Columbus, because uh, Latin LAIC Latin America one already happened, and so did Oceana. Right, because they're just pretending like it's one continuous year, even though it's not, right? Yeah, but then those people who joined this year did not get to participate in both of those right. uh, ICs that already happened. I'm guessing that Thursday's point total is going to be 300, and that Friday it's going to be probably like 500. 500 will get you the entry into Friday. Well, skipping Thursday. So I'm going to swerve here. I'm going to zag a little bit. I am absolutely excited about in real life tournaments coming. But my story was that in January of 2020, I played in Dallas and kind of played knowing I was I had just moved from Ohio to Louisiana. Ohio, if our listeners don't know, I think is certainly top five, if not top two, maybe even the best place in the world to to play Pokemon just because of the number of players, the competitiveness. It's an amazing place to live if you play Pokemon. So I'd moved away from there to Thibodeau, Louisiana, which is incredibly rural town. I have to drive 30 minutes to go to a movie theater. And I was like, this is it. I've been playing Pokemon for four years competitively. I'm not going to be able to play competitively. I sold a lot of my competitive cards. Got here within like a month of me getting here, the pandemic hit and online tournaments started up and I was like, this is great. This is amazing. I would have never gotten to play this much. I would have never been able to be a part of the competitive scene. I have loved online tournaments and I won't have like cups and challenges in my area. I think I'll have to drive at least an hour for the only thing that I know of is in Louisiana in is in New Orleans. And I might have to drive like three hours for like cups and challenges beyond that, like one, maybe two stores. So I'm Super looking forward to going to regionals and hanging out with my homies and trying to make, you know, the 500 or whatever I need for Worlds this year. I'm excited about regionals, especially because I get to see all of you guys, right? But in terms of like the weekly play, I mean, I used to go to every week, go to play at least on like Tuesday nights at Old Carolina Barbecue or wherever we were having it. I used to go on the weekends and try to play at least one League Cup or Challenge when I could, and I'm, I'm just not going to get to do that. So I'm, I'm thankful that the online scene is kind of beefed up, and I hope it keeps going at least to some degree, but also thankful for, for, for regionals. I, I never really got tired of online play. I sometimes got tired of the format, like of the meta of the yeah. game, 
but not really of the tournaments, you know? What I love about them is I have three kids, man. It's tough for me to go out of town for a weekend and spend all that money and be away from my kids and my wife and then sometimes not do super well. I mean, usually I was day two and stuff, but not always. So, Right. I think, you know, online play, online tournaments fulfill a different need for a different subset of players, right? For the mature adult, for somebody with an actual job, with responsibilities, making it out to a weekend of uh, of Pokemon just isn't in the cards for them, you know, pun intended. It isn't possible for them to be able to make that commitment. So online events sort of fill that, that need and they serve a different purpose for people that just like in, like to enjoy the game. They want to win, you know, some code cards, some some surprising whatever. And that's why I think that they were so popular during the pandemic. And even though we transitioned towards you know, IRL play, actual officially sanctioned events, I think that to an extent, online play will still survive. And maybe not to the extent of you know, before, obviously, because you know, we're not quarantined. We're not uh, right. as indoorsy as we were before. But for the, you know, the subset of players that still genuinely enjoy online play, that I think that those organizers or those that are, that are you know, mindful of those, uh, those players will find a way to keep that scene alive and keep that scene successful as well. Yeah, I mean, it's still really the only, besides Worlds and like some ICs, it's still really the only way to play against people from all around the world, you know, because it's not limited to just people. You know, at a regionals and cups, you're just going to play against people from the States. Whereas when I play online events, I'm always playing against people from like Brazil, some people from Japan. Especially people from Japan and from Asian countries in Australia where like you might, if you go to an IC, you might get to play them. But really the only time yeah. I ever played those players was at Worlds. Other than that, I never right. got yep. that experience, yep. which I thought was a really fantastic experience. Yeah, I think there's definitely like it's carved like a part of the community out for itself, especially with COVID. The whole online scene and with this great website i definitely don't see it coming to a halt completely but it definitely will slow down quite a bit yeah so i wonder a little bit i saw a tweet and i was having trouble retrieving it so forgive me to the person who tweeted this but there's been a lot of conversation about the cost of going to regionals and i want to kind of get you guys' take on this i saw a guy who tweeted and he tweeted a spreadsheet of it was like five or six regionals and if you were trying to go to each one how much they would cost and the cost was kind of outrageous. And ha- part of that had to do with where this person lived and how much it would cost to fly. I'm wondering, how much do you think an average regional costs? Would you be willing to reveal the amount that you pay? And and it certainly depends on whether you drive or fly and where you stay. Some of us in this chat have made poor decisions about where we stay in you know certain Airbnbs <laughs> in the past. Not me. Correction, Robert makes poor decisions on where we lay our heads at night. Yeah. That would be Robert's fault. Others of us make it part of the experience. John, I know, prides himself on finding a delicious breakfast before uh, and getting a restful sleep before. Yes, sir. So um, how how much do you spend? And do you think that this is a preventative thing for lots of players? And is there something we should do about this? Or is this just kind of the way it is? It doesn't really break the bank too much from my experience i mean i don't think it's too much of a money sink honestly like i think there's a bigger cost in just getting the cards to play a deck especially like a meta deck you know it'll probably at least cost you you know maybe a couple hundred bucks if you're playing like a meta i guess it depends on the deck you're playing but i don't think it's too much of a money sink honestly like i guess it depends on where you live for sake of argument like i live in ohio and there are a lot of regionals that are like on average like within six to five six seven hours of driving 
So, you know, you're maybe spending 50 to to $100 on gas. And then like for a cheap Airbnb or cheap motel for a couple nights, that's maybe another 120 130 for like, you know, $70, $80 a night, maybe like 160 So that's 260 right there. And then, you know, the cost of food, the cost of entry to the regional. I would say on average, maybe you're spending like, you know, around $400 for the whole event, which kind of does sound like a lot. But if you're going with friends, I think a lot of people will go with friends. If you're going with like three or four people, you can split almost everything four ways. So there's a lot of ways to cut costs. It actually reminded me of how how much money you can save. I watched uh, Andrew Mahone, uh, who runs you know the Tricky Gym stream and YouTube channel. He made a video recently explaining like the cost and broke it all down of the cost of going to a regional for people who have never done it before. And it's very doable. I mean, if you if you have a part full time job, it should definitely be affordable for you to you know take a take a couple of days off, go with your buddies down. You can make like I know with a lot of people like to make a whole weekend out of it. You know, uh, part of Pokemon is having fun with your friends. That's like what it's all about, in my opinion. You know, the tournament's just kind of like a side thing. But yeah, I'd say like three or four hundred bucks, you could easily you know make a nice weekend for yourself without having to skimp too much. Yeah, I think flying certainly makes things more expensive, and certainly if oh, you don't yeah, live yeah, yeah. in a place where there's a hub close by where you could drive to the hub. Yeah, flying is bad. Is definitely like is not the way to go because you have to like get a rental car or you have to air, or you have to Uber everywhere once you get right. there. If you can drive, you're going to be saving yourself a lot of money. John, when you go to a Pokemon tournament, I think that my sort of read on your your experiences that you're picky about what tournaments you go to, like you're in a smart way, right? You sort of pick the ones you know your homies are going to be at, the ones you know that you think you're going to be successful at, and then you make it a really good experience. I think you're really good at that. So so how do you do that? And how do you do that on you know a budget? Or do you just kind of like splurge for the ones you want to go to and then maybe don't go to the other ones? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think I'm of the mind that you can kind of choose the experience you want to have. I think of one of my favorite regional experiences was actually the the most recent one, you know, at Collinsville two years ago, when, you know, Jesse, Nick Moses, Brady Botner, and I, we not only got to compete at Collinsville, but we went to see the Gateway Arch, right? We got to do some sightseeing. And even though we know we had to pay like a park, like a ticket to park, we still got to like go inside. We got to see the arch and got to have some, you know, fast Korean food nearby. And it was an overall oh, was enjoyable good. experience. You know, we, yeah, we didn't stay at a motel per se, but we chose to stay at like a you know a close by hotel uh, one of those one of those hotels hotel, nearby yeah. it wasn't it wasn't the, the Ritz by any stretch of the imagination no, but, you no, know, no, they no. Have breakfast <laughs> available but you you do pay a premium for location and proximity and for food and etc and i value comfort a good night's rest being energized in the morning knowing that i'll have food available when i wake up more so than worrying about oh geez you know i've got to calculate the mileage from my random Airbnb in, in the boonies and uh, figure out, you know, if I'm going to be able to pick up an Egg McMuffin on the way. Uh, all those little micro transactions, you know, kind of add up and like add up to stress that is going to take away from you focusing on the, on the meta you're supposed to be analyzing, the time you would be spending with your friends, and just overall the enjoyability of the event. So I like to, you know, last season or the current season we're in, I guess. I went to exactly three regionals and placed in top 16 in all of them. And I think that my approach to just kind of enjoying and instead of having to smash my head against the wall between 
ICs, one regional after the next that was just, you know, two weekends before trying to microanalyze every card and every top eight player's deck, but just approaching with an idea of I'm going to have fun, I'm going to enjoy myself. Am I going to break the bank, break the bank more than maybe the, the, the guy that's really trying to, that's in a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet and throwing equations into, <laughs> into cells and stuff like that? Maybe a little bit more, uh, but overall, like, uh, I think that I just end up enjoying myself more, not thinking too much about the, the extra stuff, I guess. I mean, do you absolutely want to take cost into concern? For sure. I'm flying to Dallas, for example. You know, I ended up breaking even despite making top 16 there. But the idea of, or the memory of getting to meet and have Mazakazu Fukuda sign my Espeon Gold Star and getting to see you know, Leonhardt and King Pokemon and hanging out with Emery Taylor, stuff like that. Like, that's invaluable. That's, I mean, I'm never going to forget it. Just an absolutely wonderful experience. And sure, you know, getting back into, flying back into Detroit at you know, two, three o'clock in the morning. And it, yeah, it wasn't great. But man, I got to have Whataburger with Jesse Parker. Like, come on. That's freaking sick. Let's be real. The only reason you made top 16 is because you own three beaches and you enjoy playing control. I mean, come on. Hey, man. That's like, that's like, Why you got to be hey, like that? Yeah. Like I said, I like to enjoy myself, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and what's your, uh, what's your take on this? What are, you, like, what are you looking for when you decide on a regional to go to? So when I was going to regionals, the biggest factor was drive distance. Again, being in Ohio and blessed with the abundance of Midwestern regionals that you can do in a single day. And basically that's, that's all it really is. It's just, can I afford the time to take, to go to these regionals? I don't, I, I'm not really as picky on format because I really like expanded when they have expanded regionals, but I'm not against playing standard. I would prefer playing expanded, but it ultimately came down to driving distance and it's, it's a time factor for me. It's not so much money for me. And I know like people have obligations like Rob, you're a father of three, and I know time is kind of a factor. And I'm uh, rapidly approaching the age of 30, so time is not as as abundant as it was in the college days. And so forward-looking, if I were to go to any regionals, it would be regionals that I have time for and that I could drive to. Yeah, I'd say I'm kind of in the same boat. I generally will try to go to any regional that's less than eight hours of driving. I've only really ever flown to like maybe one or two regionals that I really wanted to go to. But like driving distance is definitely a huge factor for me. I think flying is fine if you can recoup. If you're if you are confident enough that you will recoup most of your losses. So if you are top top sixteen players and you consistently are getting top thirty two oh, yeah. regionals, I don't fault you at all to fly to regionals and chase. But if you're an average player like me who doesn't test hardly at all, or don't have the time to test hardly at all, and your confidence level isn't what it used to be, yeah, I'm not flying to things that I know that I'm not going to do well at. Yeah, keep your expectations low. That's what I always say, you know. And anything that happens more than that is just a bonus. Jesse, ever since you made that comment on the beaches, you know, <laughs> I actually had something that just came up. When I was able, like, you know, those beaches, right? One of the most expensive cards in expanded legal play. But because I take so much time in between my events, I remember actually sitting across from uh, Michael Pramowat, and he was playing, like, Zation V Box with patches and stuff metal saucers excuse me and um, i beat him 2-0 and you know he was talking about how he didn't have a lot of time to prepare for collinsville regionals because he was just coming off of i think oceania or another international championships and things like that not having the time to prepare is going to factor in 
the cost as well because you know you spend money to go to a specific tournament and yeah, you do all of that there you do you pay for the hotel you buy food and do, do all your things then you go to another event you know you spend another five hundred dollars or if you went to an ic heck you're spending you know a grand and a half maybe maybe two depending on how far you flew and you know you're throwing more money into the into the costs of the liability um, side of the of the financial table so to speak so if you strategically plan you know i'm going to go to three or four evenly spaced out throughout the season and you're really going to devote time to study that meta prepare for the event you're spending money for one event you're fully prepared and you're fully rested if you kind of take all the other things that i said earlier into to effect or into account more than i don't want to say more than likely but you're probably going to have a better time and just like uh, mahone mentioned in his video uh, about regional preparation it pays to play well. I think it also pays to be prepared. And by taking that extra time, making the correct card investments, I mean, hey, those events will eventually pay for themselves. You're going to walk you're going to walk away True. way happier individual. You probably paid for your beaches by now, I would Oh yeah. Imagine. Oh, for sure. Alternatively, oh, if you're just the sort of dude that wants to go hang out with the homies and you don't mind blowing a couple hundred bucks to do it, have fun and just go do that, man. Not everybody's got to be a winner sure. every time. Like, so it is yeah, a lot oh, about, yeah. somebody mentioned expectations. So much of it's about expectations. You know, some of us, we go and we're dead serious. And, you know, I've had tournaments where it's like, I have to hit this, this mark. You know, I've got a top day two or top 32 or whatever. And then I've had other tournaments where like, man, John Mustovi's at this tournament and Owen Rob's at this tournament. We're going to hang out. We're going to have a good time. I got a decent deck. I'm going to have fun playing this deck. You know, I don't think anybody's ever said that about me. Sometimes those are the best <laughs> tournament results is when you go with like the, that kind of a mindset, you know, where like, eh, right. okay, if I do well, great. If not, sometimes those are good, that's a good mindset to have. You know, you don't want to, I don't care how I do. I'm just going to play mine. It, there's a fine line. Right, like you still mm-hmm. need to play well and have that mindset of, I want to win. Yeah. Nobody wants to go 03 drop, right? Yeah. I mean, sure. Yeah. So I think just getting in that right mindset and being prepared, like John said, I think is huge because you can then focus more your energy on preparing for that specific tournament we're all in the we're all in this hobby together we're all in this hobby for a different reason and we should all be able to enjoy the hobby based on how we choose to approach it and i think that's one of the most beautiful um, things about pokemon pokemon's pokemon's freaking cool man i love this game well guys speaking of your situation i'm just not going to edit a podcast that's longer than this so i have three kids Ah. i know my limitations it's been wonderful talking with you. Jesse, would you like to plug anything? Follow me on Twitter at Jesse Parker without the A in the Parker. You can follow my Twitch if you want to, which is the same handle. But you can just follow me on Twitter. That's cool. That's it. I'll see you guys uh, at events. John? Yeah, you can just follow me on Instagram. It's uh, at Johnny Mucho if you want. Just some amateur photography. Nothing crazy going on there, I think, as of several months. But if you're down, you like animals you like trees you like water i might throw some of that on there so yeah sure owen you want to walk us out oh i thought you were gonna ask me if i wanted to plug anything you want to plug anything (laughs) yeah i would like to plug my instagram at johnny mucho i like to (laughs) take amateur pictures of my espion cards thank you hey (laughs) superb also follow my twitch at uh jesse parker without the a thank you heck yeah Thank you for listening to the Heat Factory Podcast. I'm Rob Stevens. My co-host is Owen Rob. I am excited to have had Jesse and John here tonight. You can follow us at, at Heat Factory Pod on Twitter. Make sure to give us a five-star ratings. We are like 
uh, I don't know. I I'm just gonna have a Pokemon metaphor, I can't think of it. But we're really excited for five star ratings if you have it. And we will be back next week with more content. Y'all have a good one. Peace. Bye.